For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening on the program, we're going to talk to another entrepreneur who's uh, really making the news a lot these days, uh, Jamie Benizri, a returning champion here on Today's Entrepreneur from Legal Logic. Yeah, Jamie was here about uh, four and a half years ago, uh, soon after he actually started Legal Logic. So, you know, there were only a, a few people back then, I think under 10 people or maybe even five. And now he's uh, 50 people under, uh, under Legal Logic. So, uh, an interesting growth story. Yes, and they have some cases, including some class actions uh, on the uh, on the go that are making the news lately. So we'll get to Jamie Benizri in a little bit. We'll talk about IT security uh, later in the program as well. Uh, but first, some entrepreneurial news and our question uh, of the week uh, from uh, from me, the uh, relatively new entrepreneur here. And we're going to talk about bootstrapping in a second. And there's an interesting article about that, the seven tips for bootstrapping uh, to success in a niche market. Bootstrapping, I guess, Josh, uh, refers to just someone who's starting a business from scratch and not getting um, uh backed by investors? Well, it's really, you know, what can you do with the little that you have? You know, you're, mm. you're not necessarily sitting with, you know, millions of dollars in your pocket, no deep pockets. You can't go out and hire the best of the best. You really got to make do with the the what your resources are on the limited dollars you have. So this is the conversation that we that we had uh, at, at, at my company earlier on. And what we established was that, you know, for a fairly low overhead business, for something that has creative services, not super necessary to go out and get investors uh, early on, but the option is always around. Um, what are the factors uh, for an entrepreneur in deciding whether or not to, to bootstrap it or to find investment? I think it really starts with your plan and where you see yourself, your product, your service in six months, 12 months, two years, three years, five years. And if you have an idea of where you want to get to, sometimes it's a question of how fast do you want to get there? Sometimes it's a question of, I understand I need to hit, I want to hit that target. If I'm on my own or if I have one partner and I, and I really, you know, we have, we have a few clients, but we're really not spending a lot uh, or we don't have the resources, resources to spend a lot, then I know it's going to take longer to get to that target. Now, there's less risk because there's less dollars on the line, you know, and there's there's less people to report to. We've, we've heard uh, from all kinds of entrepreneurs over the years, Dan, some that, you know, say, absolutely, I wanted that investor because I needed to catapult myself within the first 12 months. I needed to develop that software, that project. I needed the funds behind me, not just the funds, but the 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 network that that sometimes the investor comes with. And that was hugely important to get them off the ground. But conversely, we've heard the other side that said, you know what, I'm okay taking my time. I don't want to give up my autonomy. I don't want to have to report to one, two, three, four people. I don't want to have to report to egos with deep pockets. So I'm going to take my time and I'm going to grow it myself personally. The funny part is they both kind of come back and say, this is what I did, but I wonder what it would have been like if I did the opposite. I wonder what it would have been like if I kept control myself and grew a little slower. Or I wonder if I could have made it bigger and better faster if I actually didn't mind the dilution and diluting my shares and, and ownership. I, I think it... There, there's no one answer fits all like like most things it you know those famous two word that famous two word answer it depends it really does depend on your plan it depends on your speed we interviewed uh, Jesse Herbert from Oopsmark and he absolutely could have probably propelled himself much faster much, uh, you know to a much greater uh, greater degree in a much shorter period of time frame 
he was cool just you know with his four hour work week or four day work yeah. week or however low he was he was chill he was cycling on the weekend he had his business that was going well great product but you know what he didn't have to he took his time he built up some money he eventually bought a machine and you know people couldn't see his face but he was relaxed and he was enjoying what he was doing others maybe a little bit more type A personality will say, no, I absolutely got to go. I got to go out there. I want to get there as fast as I can. And if I, to get there as fast as I can, I need those dollars. I need that, those people, those investors behind me to do it. It's a lot more stressful, but it can definitely propel you. So it really depends on the type of, of person you are. I don't know, Dan, uh, are you more, you want to keep control and, and, and grow slowly or do you, do you really want to get in and, and be uh, re- start reporting to a bunch of investors? I, I'm in no rush to add another ego into the board of directors room right now. I, I, uh, I've always thought that uh, I'm a big believer in conservative growth, actually, and uh, especially because I'm trying to balance the whole media thing. And I'm making sure as a young entrepreneur to, to get it right the first time. And, and that's uh, getting it right, but there is no such... You know, you can't, you yeah. can't, can't prove that you're getting it right yeah. <laughs> until it actually happens. Uh, so this piece from Inc.com, seven uh, tips for bootstrapping uh, to success in a niche market. Uh, what are some of the, the tips that you picked out? Well, I, I think, and we don't, we don't have to go through all of them, but I think the one that, that stands out uh, to me is really understand, really have, have your clarity on your business model. Know exactly what you do and what you're trying to achieve. Once you know that, you're not going to be guessing. You're not going to be stepping and tripping over your own feet. You're going to know exactly where you're heading, and you're going to know exactly where to spend your, your fewer resources or not. When you're not sure, and you're, you, know, you can go in three different directions, well, that's not going to help you bootstrap. That's not going to help you spend the least amount. So for me, that's, uh, that's a big aspect is, is knowing exactly what you're going to do. I would say uh, as a second one, uh, you know, sometimes you have to swallow your pride a little bit and, and say other people might know more than I do. And then it, so it comes down to kind of the, that mentors. Use your mentors. Use the people that are willing to help you as much as that. Swallow your pride a little bit or be willing to open up. That is That can be a phenomenal. We'll hear from Jamie a little later uh, that, that maybe, you know, he... he Probably could have listened or taken the time to to spend with with more of his uh, his mentor group around them, people that wanted to help, and that doesn't cost money. You'll find there's a lot of experienced entrepreneurs out there that want to give back to the entrepreneurial community. You just got to find them, and they will help you for little to no fee. Maybe it's a lunch, dinner, drinks. Who knows? Um, I've certainly been known to be bribed before for that, but it's, uh, by it's me. It, <laughs> partially by Dan, partially by others. Uh, but, uh, definitely use, use that network where you can. Uh, and I, and I guess the other thing is, and Dan, you know, this very well is today's marketing efforts can be done on the, on the cheap. You can be online and social media. It might not be perfect. You might not have the best experience, but you can be out there. You can be visible. In, in all these areas. And I think that's something that today versus 15 years ago, there was a lot more money that had to be spent on marketing, whether it was radio or video or, you know, it was a lot more uh, print traditional media, where today it can absolutely be done much less expensive, uh, if any cost. So I, I think there's there's a few more, of course, but that those are the ones that really come to the top of the list for me. From the Financial Post, this is something we've dealt with on the program since the beginning, really. Uh, baby boomer small business owners readying for retirement without handover plans. Well, I think there, there's, no, there's no question. Lots of people have heard this before where plenty of family businesses, plenty of small business SMEs out there that 
the population's aging, the owner's aging, and what do you do next? Not all family members are in the business, or sometimes they are, and they're not necessarily ready to move on. Sometimes there's key employees, but then you have to think a little bit longer term. The baby boomers, I think, got stuck, or many of them have got stuck in actually doing their job day to day and in building that business and trying to maintain it. They didn't really think beyond what their lives are. Sometimes maybe it was partly a fact of 2008 that came along and, uh, and crushed a chunk of their, of their financial buying power. And maybe that's why they're sticking on a little longer and realizing, hey, I'm now getting to like 65 and, and older. I haven't really thought about it. That's not too good either. So you can never think too far ahead when it comes to transition. Even if it's just a thought, plant a seed. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight with your family members, with your children, grandchildren. It doesn't happen overnight with your employees. You got to plant the seed. You got to make sure that it's the right transition for you. And real quick, Cafe Olimpico, this uh, plateau institution opening up in the old port. Uh, what are some of the challenges of having something that is so uh, such a, a classic business, so revered in a community, just taking it and trying the same thing in another uh, part of town? I, you know, location, location, location. Uh, you know, I, I think from a cafe standpoint, I think a lot of people uh, still go to the to the big box, the Starbucks. But you know, certainly in Montreal, we like our local coffee shops. We're very we're coffee connoisseurs, I would say. Not that I drink coffee, but I think our population is coffee connoisseurs, and they like the local places. And when you're in an area that they're going to move to, so they're going to get a lot of foot traffic in the summer, and a lot of people that have come on. I think it's it's all a, it's all a question of location and what they couldn't pass up being part of that hotel. Excellent. Coming up, we'll chat with Jamie Benizri of Legal Logic, our returning champion on today's Entrepreneur this evening. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you this evening for today's Entrepreneur. And we welcome back a guest who was on the program many years ago and who's uh, had some changes over the years, uh, Jamie Benizri. Maître Benizri of Legal Logic is here. Welcome back, Jamie. Thank you, sir. It's good to finally be back. <laughs> it should have been a quicker uh, a quicker. I, I was hoping, but after okay. four years, I had to knock on Josh's door. So tell us about Legal Logic and what's happened to you over the last four years. You, your business has, uh, has exploded. So over the last four years, you know, we've gone through um, an organic evolution. Four years ago, my story was one that talked about how, you know, we wanted to bring about changes. We wanted people to see legal services offered differently. And um, the past four years has really been a testament to that. Staying true to the principles and trying to offer law in a very, you know, refreshing, transparent and kind of uh, a much more welcome manner. You're not actually trying to change the perception of lawyers, are you? You know, if that happens as a consequence of what we're doing, then I'm happy to change the perception. You know, I think it's uh, much like other professions that's been damaged. There's good and bad. Um, but, you know, we, we want to focus on the good. We want to focus on the good part of it. Would you say that was, you know, let, let's take a little step back. You know, why did you create Legal, legal Logic to start with? Where did you come from and, and, and how, did it, how did it start? So really the, um, the turning point for me, coming from a small mom and pop law firm in Laval, I had an amazing opportunity to do prosecution. I was doing divorces. I was doing you know corporate law on the ground with the people that were actually doing the hard, the heavy lifting. And it all really happened after I had a kid, had an epiphany. And I said, you know, I don't like the way people look at me when they come in for a consultation. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to break down the barriers and I wanted to make law more welcoming and more approachable for today's businesses and individuals. 
Why Legal Logic? Why the branding? It's it's pretty rare uh, for law firms. Why not just Benizri and Associates? The 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 idea was very simple. Let's create a law firm that's not about me. That's not about a Schwartz. That's not about a Tremblay. Let's get away from the the individuals and make it more about a concept, um, more lifestyle, and a way that I want you know law to be seen. So trying to get away from an ego. Let's get away from the ego. Yeah, I'm I'm not into the ego. I'm not about taking the credit. Let's get away from the big ego. Now you're starting this law firm from scratch. You're on your own. What's your first step? What do you do? I hang a sign outside my door and really hope that people are going to come. And um, naturally and organically, it, it did. You know, the word got out. Some people came to visit me. They wanted to know what I was going to do, if how I was going to succeed. And it really happened naturally from the ground up. Some people found out I was doing my own thing. They came to, you know, have a coffee with me. And I think it really happened um, from the ground. People, people started finding out. The referrals started coming. Things happened, you know, really organically. One of the, one of the items that uh, I think Legal Logic is known for, what you set out to do, is really offering uh, legal services that are accessible online uh, platforms that maybe maybe not everybody was offering in the same way. Was that really part of the, your initial business plan or mindset? And how and how long did it take to get that off the ground after you put the sign out the door? So one of the original the the impetus really was to give access to lawyers, people who wouldn't necessarily seek out lawyers, the people who were you know, scouring Google for that one contract that they thought represented what they needed. Uh, and lo and behold, that contract was from India and didn't reflect anything they needed and they would get themselves into trouble. So I wanted to go after the, the entrepreneurs and the individuals that needed you know, timely legal advice at a fair price. And I wanted to make sure that message was communicated properly through these online programs, which we set out from day one. And the the little embryo that was print, you know planted at the beginning was forms was was a, was an aggressive blog that was written kind of in a very colloquial way in order to make it approach approachable. Did you find you were maybe giving away too much information, or was that really part of the plan because people will ask for more? You know, it wasn't some ploy. For some sort of a bait and switch. This was really a genuine desire to educate people. So people would come and see me primed with a, a, a real legal issue um, and them already planting the seed from the beginning about you know what they should know. Whether they consulted me or somebody else, I wanted to be the guy to convey the information. And, you know, professionals aren't the, the gatekeepers of information that they once were. And I think that was important to convey that in my messaging. How much time is spent educating clients in law compared to other industries? It's massive. Um, my job is to, is to educate, is to coach, is to make sure that people are taking the, the right decisions and that the egos aren't getting in the way, that I'm not, you know, inflaming a litigation or a legal issue when there really isn't one. So my role... Um, you know, we're seen as it needs to be responsible. And I, and I really try to convey that in my messaging. A client who comes to see me, I want him to already know what he needs through my messaging that I'm communicating. And that's certainly one aspect, uh, only the tip of the iceberg from a marketing aspect, to get your name out there, to get legal logic out there. Come back from the break, we'll explore all the other things, the things that worked and maybe some of the things that didn't work for legal logic. Maître Jemmy Benizri joins us from Legal Logic this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Locked Entrepreneur on CJ8800. Our guest is Jamie Benizri of Legal Logic, and uh, I've I've interviewed Jamie a few times just naturally here on CJ8 because he was making the news. Uh, your firm is involved in a lot of class actions right now. Uh, one against Canada Post, one about STM uh, Metro delays, and the other, uh, which was interesting, which have been a cause of mine for a few years, is is photo radar. Um, jumping in on these very hot newsy topics. Um, I mean, as a PR guy, I'm I got to look at Jamie's work, and I have to say it's pretty pretty good marketing there. Jamie, but uh, is is a class action lawsuit for a law firm a form of marketing? Class actions have become all over the news. They're they're hot. They're they're, they're covered. They're of public interest. So people are covering these um, these class actions. It's the most aggressive and entrepreneurial of all the disciplines that a law firm can 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 cover and provide as a service. Um, but you know the the values and the reasons that a, that a law firm is involved in a class action should not be marketing driven. It's a byproduct. If it's a consequence of what we're trying to achieve for a for a class of people, then so be it. Uh, but you know they they do often uh, end up in the in the media. Now that we're talking about uh, marketing, I mean, there's so many possibilities out there. There's so many forms of media. What's what's working for you today? Where where are you blasting? What has worked to get that legal logic? name out there much like um, a lot of a lot of businesses out there people that may be listening we've tried every traditional media outlet you know we've done you know the 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 les annuaires we've done print we've done radio and they're good and they're still valid for a lot of different uh, firms it has not worked for us because not that we've tried to be the anti-law firm but we've spent a lot of time trying to differentiate ourselves and um, it hasn't been as successful so we've we've opted to invest heavily in social media. We've opted to invest heavily where our demographic and where people are flocking to. So we've chosen social media as our primary outlet for the diffusion of uh, legal information. Is that because you you feel the the older forms of media, whether it's radio, whether it's print, aren't reaching your targeted customer base? Uh, it's too difficult to measure. It's just, I mean all of the above. You're, again, you're trying to be different than your competition. Sure. It's uh, so I think you nailed it. Um, it's hard to track the uh, the real metrics behind radio, behind you know, traditional media. But what I do find is that social media allows for us to convey the message in a much more compelling way, where there's a much more hungry audience um to um to eat up the content that's being given to them but can you can you how do you find the ability to measure the online the social media i know there's there's a lot of information out there but to di digest it to translate it into it, it's also a, a bit of a, a hurdle to come over no it's a hurdle so obviously we talk about views people talk about likes people are obsessed with likes but you know when it really hit me the impact of social media is when I'm walking down the street and somebody recognizes me from a video and says, hey, I've got that ticket to contest. Or, hey, you know, I'm being sued. Can you help me out? Because I saw in episode 13, you helped a guy out that did this. So for me, that's compelling um, information you know, from the street, from the source, that people are enjoying the information and are benefiting from uh, from the messages that we're communicating. Time-consuming? extraordinarily so you know, the running joke is that you know people think that i'm you know some uh, some 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 d-class social media celebrity which i am um but you know it's not no we, we won't put you worse than a c it's okay I, I appreciate that 
but I, I'm sticking with my D. That's where I am for now. I want to I rank up higher. Uh, the, it's not about me. It's about the message. It's about the firm. And I happen to be the guy carrying the message uh, until somebody else steps up and, uh, you know, and, wants to, and wants to do these with me. No, and I think you've been super innovative with some of the, you know, you talked about the videos. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Legal Logic TV and, uh, and a little bit more on, on some, of the, some of the failures, some of the successes, and, of course, some of the team around you because you can't do it alone. We'll also talk about IT security later on in the program, and we'll have Jamie's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we welcome back to the program Jamie Benizri of Legal Logic. And uh, Jamie, five years ago when you were on the program, you were a long, young lawyer, very driven. He's and, still young, I think. Uh, I was hungrier back then, much hungrier. <laughs> he has a little bit more gray hair, but at um, least he has his hair. Yeah. Now, up from what, like five, seven to 50 employees? Since we yeah, we're about, the group counts about 50. The, the main nucleus is in St. Laurent right here on the Trans Canada and we've you know we have a presence downtown but you know what's really interesting is that you know with a lot of the momentum with a lot of the you know the 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 the, the people who want to join it's allowed us to open an office in Quebec City um, through Maître Fortin over there and then Mode as well and we've since opened an office in Saguenay Chicoutimi area which is um, Maître Delille who's, who's helped us and you know we have affiliations growing in Toronto through Noah Kochman and uh, we're incubating an office through Sam in, in our office in Montreal so it's fun. So it kind of leads me to the question of you know certainly when you were first starting out and your network was was very small because a lot of this is about networking, réseautage uh, and so it's it's grown over the years, of course, whether it's social media or whatever. How important was, you know, is networking? How much time do you put into it? And where do you target yourself? Where have you learned to target yourself over time? So it's the um, you know, networking for me is natural. You know, I love speaking with people. I wanna I wanna know what people are thinking. I wanna know how I can help in, in various capacities. And sometimes it's just a referral. Sometimes it's just, you know, saying, Hey, call Josh, he's much smarter than me, or call Dan, he knows what he's talking about. And for me that's how I'm going to differentiate myself. How can I bring value that's more than just law? How can I make connections that will eventually may result in a legal mandate down the line? You, you know, you guys may need me, but you know, people get the impression that I'm everywhere and I'm, and I'm not everywhere. I'm trying to be selective. I try to go where I think people can, can, can make use of my presence and where I'm, I can have fun. And I really want to have fun when I'm networking and some of the media outlets, including logic TV has allowed me to reach a much larger, larger audience without being egotistical, but, you know, it's important for me that people know that, you know, we're, we're available. It, it's part of, like you said, it's part of the education, it's part of the networking, it's part of the marketing. Now, elaborate a little bit more on, on Logic TV, Legal Logic TV, because there's a lot of, we've heard a lot, certainly Dan in your, you know, practice provocateur, we, there's a lot of people that want to do videos, a lot of little snippets, you know, that's what catches people's attention. Where, at, at what point did you say, you know what, I, I just got to do more, I got to create this, this TV concept? Great question. So for, it's it all stems from kind of brainstorming sessions with with my my media crew in, in Cataround Films and with my marketing director, David. And we've, we've, we sat around, I said, guys, you know, we need to go further. People need and want more inform legal information. And that's exactly what happened is that we created this format where I'm talking to entrepreneurs in, in the flesh and I'm asking them real questions. And I want to know what legal hurdles do they have to jump through? 
in order to be compliant, you know, with, with today's, you know, business. And if, if, a, if a, an audience can identify with any aspect of that, then I'm happy. So for me, this was an opportunity to further communicate the message and further kind of educate the people that we're, we want to target. Were you concerned about um, uh, drawing the ire of perhaps a professional association? And how do you sort of work that balance as a lawyer without being too um, entertaining or too outlandish maybe for the for the bar? Sometimes? Yeah, so this in, look, everything needs to be irresponsible. Yeah, I, I don't want to be on a billboard, um, you know, you know, literally running after an ambulance. That's not the message I want to convey. I want to convey healthy legal education in a responsible manner without necessarily promoting my services, without talking about Jamie Ben Israel. It's not about Jamie Ben Israel or even Legal Logic. Logic TV is about the entrepreneur that I'm talking to, what he's gone through to get to the next level, and how the audience can connect with that. So it's really about, you know, what can I what can I bring? Much like you're trying to get stuff out of me tonight, I want to get that same I want to evoke those same emotions from the entrepreneurs that I'm that I'm talking to. There's there's always a concept in the in the professional world, you know, accountants, lawyers. Uh, not everybody subscribes to it, although I do, and I, I have no doubt you do, Jamie, as you're expressing it. Is you got to give to get. Yes, sir. Uh, and and part of that giving is education. Part of the giving is is showing that sincerity and showing that knowledge, so that people will look to you because you have that knowledge and you have potentially that trust level. That that must have been a guiding factor when you're when you're talking about all these all these efforts that you're doing. It it really stems from you know business basics and you know the 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 connection that you should have with a law firm when with a professional whether it's an you know an accountant or a lawyer givers gain and when you give it usually comes back in one form or another. How many times and you know my credo is you know we do not charge for consultations. Because I'm pretty sure I can find a legal situation that you'll eventually, you know, need to deal with now or eventually down the line. How many times has it happened when I sit down with someone and I tell them everything I know about the subject they're consulting me on for a half an hour? They'll thank me. I will have resolved. I, I, I will have eliminated a mandate for myself. They thank me. They leave. They're happy. And they'll come back three years later because they remember of, you know, something that I told them. Um, and they, they had that level of comfort that carried them for, for years. So, and I think that that's really what it's about is planting that seed. And you're okay with that. You're okay with giving it away and not getting paid for it because you know it's going to come back later on. It always does. Now, so then let's back into pricing. When you're pricing, because part of your model is very much a, a fixed fee, you know, concept. It's online. There's packages. How did you come up with certain pricing, whether it's, you know, it was five years ago or today? Mm, so it was uh, very scientific, my approach. <laughs> I, I told myself, how much do I bill an hour? How much am I going to pay someone to help me execute it? I, I crunched the numbers and then I threw it all out. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you know, there's no precedent for what we're doing. How much, you know, should I be selling an online automated contract that has some AI in it? Um, and there's really no precedent. There's really no, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure maybe, maybe Josh could have projected something much more sophisticated, but it was really, you know, my gut and how clients, potential clients reacted to the price points that we were setting. And finally, through a couple of mistakes and, you know, and a couple of uh, adjustments, you, you find that sweet spot that you're comfortable with. No question. You got to tweak along the way. You can test. You're not, if you're not sure, you tweak along the way. I'm a big component, big fan of that. If you're unsure, just go out and try it. You know, as long as you're not killing your reputation, and yes, uh, then just try it. Now, that's on the business side of things. You know, we, we, we heard you talk about marketing. We heard you talk about, you know, the, the, the law side of it. Do you get lost in the, the being a lawyer and doing the marketing? At what point do you work on your business? At what point do you kind of look at your numbers 
and say, you know what, I really got to take that direction. I really got to, got to think, got to plan, or do you continuously shoot from the hip? Or maybe you've learned along the way to adjust. So I've definitely learned. Okay. We've, I've definitely missed key indicators along the way. I've definitely made mistakes along the way. And, and my staff will attest to this. Maybe some of them are listening and they'll call in and, and, and <laughs> confirm this, but I see your phone lighting up. Yeah, so there must be something blowing up and I'm going to close it. So before they actually call in, but it, you know, I wish I would have listened to my mentor or sat in that chair long enough, maybe to, you know, identify some of the key indicators that I should have adjusted. But you know, I'm always looking to the future. I'm always looking to evolve, and 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 you know, I do not ever intend to make the same mistake twice. I think that's the definition of insanity. But you know, I think that um, I think that I've progressed in looking at the key indicators because you know, there you, you can spend unlimited amount of time in marketing and, and filming Logic TV episodes. We were talking uh, in the earlier part of the program, Dan and I. You, you and I were talking about bootstrapping, and one of them. You know, taking advantage of not taking advantage, but you know, finding your mentors and finding the people that want to help you as an entrepreneur. Have you been able, Jamie, to to do that to the extent that you wanted to over the years? You, I'm sure you've you've come across many mentors over time. I've come across many mentors. I've always come across people that I've um, that I've sought inspiration from, and you know, I wish that I would have taken more time maybe to consider some of the things that they've done, the mistakes that they've made, and the successes that they've accumulated, and. I do have mentors, and I've I've sat down with people that are much smarter with much smarter than me, and you know even you and I we've had discussions about what kind of indicators should a business be looking for in order to to identify mistakes or trends in their business, and you know one of the mistakes that I've made is not being, uh, um, you know not sitting long enough in my chair to hear that mentor finish his sentence before I got up like like a Tasmanian devil. At Tarzani Devil, and then literally just moved on to the next project because you know we were looking to do something else. So that's one thing that I'm that I'm that I'm working on. Man. Now, now let's let's uh, talk just the the few minutes before we we end this this particular segment. And Dan alluded to before we said you're about fifty people all together. You grew you know quite a bit over the last five years. You can't do it all alone. It's not about Jamie Benizri. It's about the team, Legal Logic. Tell us a little bit about the HR, that growth level, you know, because it, it's one thing to go from, you know, five people to 10 people. It's another thing to go from five people to 50 people. That level of growth must take some energy, some effort. How did, did you go search for people? Did people find you? Uh, what was that evolution like? That's a, that's a very, it was a very, um, it was a fantastic evolution. And the way that it came about really, it's taboo because it, we talk about how it's the team and, you know, the team is, is as all together is better than one and all these, all these lovely sayings. They're the cliches. Really, they're, 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 they're complete cliches that I, that I've espoused over the years. And it's true. We have amazing lawyers. We have amazing support staff. We, 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 we go so far as to get our interns from France because we have connections and in, in faculties there. And it allows for us to implement all the ideas that you know, all the crazy ideas that we have about how to better serve our clients. So it's really been, you know, that one stagiaire from 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 Bordeaux, France, who goes back and tells her faculty she had a good experience. It's about the second year Université de Montréal student who tells her friends that, you know, you'll love your summer at Legal Logic. And now with Logic TV and with all the things that we're communicating, 
recruitment has been amazing because people can see the message. People can hear the message. And so much so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm happy to announce that, you know, we are adding a service now, an immigration service that I think is, you know, much needed. And, you know, all, the idea is to baptize that legal logic and not for that, not for the lawyer to lose her identity, but to coexist and to, to, to create the legal logic network. And really to work beyond the team. One last quick question. Partners. You're taking on partners? So, you know, it's it I always tell people it's not about me. So the idea behind Legal Logic is to uh, is to open it up to make sure that there's opportunity to grow, to make sure that there's opportunity uh, to attract talent, to retain talent, and to um, and to become to become the biggest, strongest group that we can possibly be. Um, hopefully as strong as Full Orlando. Very kind. What a, a great growth story. Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you. And we'll have Jamie's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur towards the end of the show. But next, we'll chat with Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at FL, about some security issues as we uh, head into tax season. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And we'll have Jamie Benizri's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up at the end of the show. But first, Kevin Ammerman is back, IT specialist at FL. Welcome back, Kevin. Thank you very much. And lots of uh, security-related issues, Josh? Uh, security, but it's not just about that. You know, we were talking about... Uh, Training before, uh, you know, education with uh, with Jamie and, and Legal Logic, and it's there's there's so many there's an online component uh, when when somebody comes into to your office or to a company. Certainly, ways to facilitate the the training uh, in, from an IT standpoint. And uh, so, Kevin, I'll kind of turn to you, and it's an open ended question. Um, although I do want to ask you a little bit about artificial intelligence later, but let's start on the on the training side and how the onboarding aspect from a technical sta technological standpoint could be improved. Well, this really does lead into the security part of things because a lot of the security problems that we see these days are because of users inside the office that just aren't trained properly or don't know how to use the systems that they have. So trying to get those people sort of on the same footing right from day one, uh, get them a really good introduction to your company and sort of uh, the lay of the land and to let them know how things are supposed to be done, where to find information. And if they don't know the answer to a question, where to go to look for it, it's really, really important. And it's something that's overlooked in a lot of small businesses, especially. You find that like when people first start out at a company, you know, it's great to train them, but do you monitor them? Like, would you suggest to entrepreneurs to monitor their either their usage or where they're going to to hopefully know that they won't create holes or gaps uh, in their security? In security? Uh, definitely, yes. So you got to have some sort of monitoring in place, even if it's you know not super formal. It's, you don't have to record every keystroke or anything like this. But to take a look at sort of the the, the product of their work as people are starting out and to take a look at what they're trying to do and the way that they're trying to access your information because it really can teach you a lot about maybe the way things should be done. Um, if somebody sits down at a, at a system that you've set up and they try to do something that you didn't intend, maybe uh, you should change that system, okay? Um, so it's not just a security thing. It's a learning thing for you and it's also uh, a chance to take a look at sort of the structure of your systems and reevaluate how people approach them and, and maybe there's an easier way to do things. And no question with the with the software and the technology today to, to train, to upload uh, videos for training and all that certainly can make life a lot easier, a lot more efficient. Yeah, and putting them into a structured system is really the name of the game. So this is where we see that we can help some small businesses is by setting up that structured system so that when they bring a new person into their office, they can sit them down. They have a whole sort of 
course outline in place that the new employee can look at and follow through and they can be tracked all the way along. So as they complete different sections of their training, um, it's recorded, it's put in a database, and then you build up a set of competencies for that employee that you can refer later down the road. Now, we'll switch gears a little bit, something a little bit more exciting, a little bit uh, today's mode, uh, AI, artificial intelligence. And, you know, we're, we're, we're chatting with Jamie earlier, and I know he is, he's got a, a strong online platform. Uh, we see a lot of online companies, not necessarily law firms, but a lot of online companies that once you log on to their site, there's a little box that opens up at the bottom. It says, how can I help you? But it's really not a person. It's actually artificial intelligence. I think 2016 was probably the year that we as consumers sort of became really sort of comfortable with this kind of artificial intelligence that's facing us. And we've, I think a lot of people have realized they don't care if they, if they're not speaking to a person, it's sort of obvious that it's not a person, but it can still be helpful. It can still respond to their needs and get them pointed in the right direction and then maybe connect them to the human that's best suited to help them. Jamie, would you, do you find that in, in your business and legal logic, Jamie, uh, you know, the, the thought of these chatbots, these automated responses or these, I don't want to say they're canned because you have to really feed a lot of information in them, uh, into them so that they do answer properly. Do you ever think that that's partial direction that, that law firms or the legal profession might go to? So people, that, that's one of the disruptors. One of the massive disruptors that we're talking about is, is AI. How do we do data mining and how do we do discovery more efficiently? So I think that this is natural. I think that we're going to be able to eventually have the technology, the predictive technology that we have now, in order just to have a consultation. And we're integrating tools now in order to better understand that responsibly without, um, you know, without having it monitored. So I, for me, that's, I think it's a, it, it, it's, it's a perfect fit for what, what we're trying to achieve as a law firm and I think as an industry. A, the law is all about the details in many cases. Are you confident that AI can sort of get those micro details correct? I think we have no choice. I think that we have to adapt. I think that businesses will no longer have the budgets to, to pay someone the hourly rates that are required to do the discovery. So I think that um, I think that the markets will dictate eventually that this is it's going to be going to be as easy as, as ordering an Uber. So I think it's I think it will become natural. And it's about breaking those barriers and, you know, having the first mover who's comfortable, you know, getting it done. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. More about uh, this plus Jamie's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that's next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Remaining moments with Jamie Benisri of Legal Logic. His one piece of advice coming up in just a second. But first, chatting with Kevin Ammerman about AI and other IT advances. And uh, one day, I guess, Josh, uh, the AI will go over and uh, probably host this show in a couple of years. You know, automate the questions. It'll learn as it goes, uh, you know. But then it has to deal with, you know, the, the guests and the, the attitudes and the characters like Jamie's. <laughs> Which you can't, I don't know you can't predict can. that, Mr. Miller. You cannot you predict, predict that, it. Mr. Benizri, <laughs> Maître Benizri. Uh, but we'll we'll come back. We'll turn back to Kevin with uh, with AI. And you know, I know it's still pretty fresh. It's 2016. But if somebody wanted to create a chatbot and somebody wanted to go to that artificial intelligence, are there are a lot of a lot of areas, a lot of a lot of avenues for that? Is it is it difficult? Is it a lot of training? What, what do you? I still know. I, I know it's still new. But what do you see? Well, creating one is tricky, but to use one on your website or to build it into your current environment is not so hard. So they have been prepackaged and sort of set up to be integrated with, you know, most common websites these days. Uh, it's probably a matter of just a few hours to get it plugged into your site and up and running. 
Um, then there's a little bit of training just to sort of let the chatbot know the nature of what your business is. But the idea behind the artificial intelligence is that it's supposed to be quite uh, self-learning. It's supposed to follow sort of the, the prompts that you give it, follow the input from the users that are contacting it via the little web chat thing, and then learn how to respond appropriately and, and channel people towards the, the right. So it is supposed to learn on the fly. They definitely do learn on the fly. They sort of learn what kind of context is important to you and, and point things in. Just a little bit, you got to make sure that you've got the right staff on the inside of your organization to be able to deal with these chatbots. Um, so if you're only a couple of people in the office, it might not be worthwhile, but once you're up to, you know, a call center, it could be quite beneficial. No question. I, I think one of the one of the maybe scarier moments is entrepreneurs. You know, certainly when we when we were looking uh, a little bit of a commentary, but industrial revolution. You know, when that happened, you know, a lot of the jobs that were taking place by the by all the machines that came in were more on the lower level. But with artificial intelligence, you know, the presumption is that the types of jobs that they could take over are the higher thinking, the higher level jobs. Yeah, there's a lot of detail work in these jobs, but they are higher paying. So it's the the legal prediscovery, the um, evaluating mortgage. Uh, applications for eligibility, things like this. These are these are pretty high-paid jobs, um, and unfortunately, the artificial intelligences seem to be taking those ahead of the really manual labor, pothole-filling kind of jobs. No question. You know, these these robo investors that are out there, that, that and even even the big uh, charter banks are are starting to get into it. it it's definitely something that's that's going to take. You know, we don't want to replace you know the the intelligent lawyers out there but uh but but as you said earlier jamie it it will ultimately get to that as well i look forward to being on uh today's ai in five years from now <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just be a you know a video box, be a box yeah. I'll, I'll be a box exactly <laughs> as we approach the uh the thank you very much kevin uh always interesting and as we approach uh the last moment of our shows we do every week uh we'll turn to our guest uh, jamie bernisri from legal logic and ask you jamie what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur I recently spoke to a bunch of uh, Concordia undergrads, had the pleasure of talking about management and leadership over the past, um, and what I've experienced in, in growth and all the things that we've kind of discussed or touched upon today. And they asked me the same question. And my answer then, I kind of like when I said it. And, and it's really, if you're going to do something, if you have the entrepreneurial inclination to do something in law, or you know, if you're building widgets, it doesn't matter what you're doing, just do it differently. Find your niche, find your edge, and explore that big time. Go all in. And I think eventually, you know, it, it does pay off. So, you know, do what you do. Acquire the skills, whether you're a lawyer or an accountant, and go all in on your differentiating factor. And it could be marketing. It could be, you know, a piece of technology that you're using. But just make sure that, you know, people know that people know about your differentiator. Thank you, uh, Dan. As always, there are always some takeaways that I grab from it. Uh, the few that stand out to me. One is Jamie always went with his gut, you know. So that, that's, that's a great thing. But he also had the ability to go out and talk to some mentors, and I, I would never downplay that type of experience. So always know what you don't know and seek that from people that will help out. Yes, sir. Amen. Maitre Jemmy Benizri of Legal Logic, thanks uh, for stopping by once again on today's Entrepreneur, and congrats on your success. Thank you, sir. Thanks to Kevin Ammerman as well uh, over at IT at uh, Fuller Landau. And Josh, next week, next Monday night at 7, New Era Immigration. Very interesting field. That is on the way. Um, and the night side is next. Have a good night.